0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Waterfowl. Welcome to yet another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. Today, I am going to be giving you a hunt update from the past weekend. I went on two hunts with my buddy Jake from Chasing Green, and they were pretty eventful, pretty um, enjoyable hunts. Maybe talk about those. We've got a comment of the week, and then Woody's going to come on here for another Woody's top five and if you want to see um the Woody's top fives recorded live going over to patreon patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting over there on patreon i have a lot of bonus content that i have been putting on there for years and years and years stuff from long ago and you can get a free membership to the north american waterfowler over there and lots of other perks so go check it out patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting so I'm excited to bring this podcast for you today. I also have some news, some some very, very disappointing news that I got today that I'm going to be sharing with you as well. So um, one really exciting event, I don't know if you've been tracking or not, but we got the weather, the snowstorm. This is the biggest uh, snowstorm that we've had here in Kansas for quite some time. And so just a massive, massive Arctic blast. We're in the middle of it. We got about seven inches of snow a couple days ago. We've got more snow predicted coming up soon. And the, the temperatures are going to be unbelievably cold. So if you are south of us, if you're south, be ready. Um, let me give you a little overview Of the temperatures that we are predicted here in northern Kansas, um, it is going to be unbelievably cold. So let's look at this ten day real quick. Um, Give you a so starting on Friday, more snow predicted. High of two or high of twenty, low of two. Then on Saturday, it's going to be high of six, a low of negative nine, and those wind chills are going to be in the 20s. Sunday, um, we've got a low of negative 11, high of negative two. Monday, low of negative 10, high of two. So it is going to be the Arctic blast that we've all been waiting for. So some of you, your season's over. Here, we have actually three more, three more weeks of duck season, and then a couple additional of goose. So we still have quite a bit of time left here. We still have quite a bit of time. Um, So hopefully we can end this season on a really, really high. note. I know that we have been waiting and waiting and waiting for weather. And it is finally here. And I absolutely love, absolutely love snowstorms, fire in the fireplace. Just love it so much. So it's going to bring good things. So if your season is still open, I'm sure you're watching this weather too, and this is nothing new to you, but I think this is going to be the mass migration that we've all been waiting for. So it's really exciting, really, really fun to see what's going to unfold during this time. Um, unfortunately, I had some really bad news today. My plan was to, we've got a zone that opens on Saturday and my plan was um, my buddy Woody was coming down and Jake who runs chasing green and my buddy Aiden and a couple of others, we were going to get in some serious scouting and hunt this weekend on the cold. And everyone was expecting is expecting just the best hunts. Everyone's expecting. So, um, I haven't hunted with Woody for quite a while. It's been a long time, probably five years. And so he was excited. We've been marking back and forth like crazy. And unfortunately I had my follow-up meeting since my heart, heart attack um, with the cardiologist and he has forbidden me from hunting in temperatures less than 25. Now I'd probably go out if it was around 20 degrees. And so it just canceled the weekend for me. And uh, man, we had been talking about it and planning it. And I think it's just going to be awesome hunting. And and the problem is, is that I haven't gone through cardio rehab yet. And there could still be some issues in the valves and uh, the arteries of my heart. And being out in temperatures that are negative, wind chill of 28, 25, Um, that's the type of situation that they just do not want me in until I have a chance to go through cardio rehab and cardio rehab is where they hook you up to a bunch of machines and you exercise and they monitor you and watch, and they, they're building you back into really putting, putting your heart to the test and pumping lots of blood quickly through it. I just found that out today. Today Today's Wednesday, and we're supposed to leave on Friday for this trip. So big, big disappointment there big disappointment there. Um, so I had to bail out on the trip so that I finally get this weather and I just can't go. And now I'm looking at next Saturday, high at 17 next Sunday, high at 25. I could, I could do that. I could, I might be able to hunt next Sunday, but Saturdays right now, unless that temperature pops up is not looking like something I can do either. So really, really disappointing. Um, I hope that I can still get in a couple of hunts this year, a couple more, but if I can't, um, then I just can't do it. Um, it's been a great year and we would just have to close it out there. I I can't put my health at risk like that, but I'm going to be really looking forward to seeing how everyone does and hopefully they'll really get on them. Um, I'm sh- I'm sure that they will. So a little disappointing there, but that's just how it goes. Um, Before I get into the hunt update and the comment of the week, um, I'm asking you to please support the partners. It is one of the best things that you can do to help support me. Final Approach, FABrand.com. They've got a massive sale on right now. They've got 75% off on a lot of clothing. And there's been a lot of people that have been running and, and getting these sale Items. This is the best time to purchase waterfowl stuff, guys. The best time. Fabrand.com FDH10 for 10% off. And you already have huge savings, huge savings over there. So go ahead and get over to Fabrand.com, check out what they've got, and pick yourself some up. Um, like I said, you are not going to get any better prices than you get right now. Motion Ducks Decoy Spreader System. I've been using it the last few hunts, and, and I love that product. I really think the best product that works for me is just four ducks and and one jerk rig. I've used seven. I've used four um, because you can combine them. And I think for me, the best fit is just four. It's the quickest to set up and it still does a great job. So go and get yourself some motion in your set. That is also FDH 10 for 10% off of that product. And then Onyx Hunt is an app that is going to allow you to get access to land, pin your spots, use your satellite imagery, every waterfowler. That is the first piece of advice that I would give to a young waterfowler. Go get yourself Onyx because it is going to be the best thing that you have for finding land, scouting on on it, So many features over there. So, and I do not have a product code for that. So go and check that out. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into the hunt updates. I went on two hunts this past weekend and I had been talking to Jake and my, the zone where I live was closed, but the zone, um, in a different part of the state was open. And I really wanted to get in, get in some hunting. Jake said they had some birds. He'd been talking to some guys down there. And, um, he thought that he scouted Friday and he found a bunch of mallards. So we, we went in on an Airbnb right after work, jumped in the truck, headed down there, met up with Jake on Friday, stayed in the Airbnb and we were hunting a reservoir Friday morning. And, um, the area that Jake scouted, he said, he, he said he found a bunch of mallards, but the area that the guys that he had been talking to, they wanted to hunt. There was no mallards in that area at all. It was this huge patch of smart wheat, and there was none in there. And so uh, it was an afternoon scout about two 30. And so we went ahead and set up in that spot Saturday morning. Now um, the guys we were hunting with, um, they had went in ahead of us and they had flushed out Just loads and loads of mallards on this smartweed. And so we got in there and right at shooting time, right at shooting time, there was a huge section on past us of just really, really, really thick, thick smartweed. Too thick to even hunt. And you could hear the mallards in there just going crazy. You could just hear them quacking when we got there. And like to the minute, it's like, all right, it's shooting time. Thousands of mallards got up flew over our head and went out to the main lake. And that was the first sign for me. I'm like, when that happens, I'm like, "Uh oh, because that's night feeding. You're going to see that when, when they're night feeding in moist soil. That's what they do when they become nocturnal because they have been in an area and they have learned the ball game. They know where the hunters are. They know where the safest spots are. And if you see them doing a mass exodus right at shooting time, buckle up. It's not a good sign. It probably means it's going to be a very, very difficult day. And that's exactly what took place. We had an A-frame, and there was three in the A-frame. And then beside that, I had the Invisiman hide. And beside me, Georgie had her Invisidog Hide. And the and we had some really, really good cover. That A-frame was brushed up beautifully. The Invis Invisiman was looking nice. And, you know, we hunt we hunted until about I think one 30 or two o'clock and we saw lots of mallards every 15 or 20 minutes. There'd be mallards clear, you know, 300 yards up and we'd be calling them and calling them at them. and man, they were not call responsive at all. They were weary as ducks can ever, ever get. And the entire day, were revolved around circling mallards changing decoys changing hides it was like a chess match the whole day what can we do to unlock this mystery to make these mallards act more favorable and slowly you know we were kind of not we'd shoot a couple an hour we would kind of knock away at them where um you know you'd get one just inside range you get one to do it just right. But we saw so many birds all day long. They were just circle and look and flare and, and man, these are the most difficult ducks you can ever find. And I honestly, I really, really enjoyed this day. This year has been so different. It's just been such a lack of mallards around. I mean, before the sun, I think I had shot Thirteen mallard drakes on the season, and just the fact that we were out there, and there was—you did not have to go very long before you saw mallards flying, and they—they would act somewhat interested. It's not like they would just fly by; they—they would act fairly interested. But they were all up so high. But the whole day was just a fun chess match. We ended up with eleven birds. I think six of them mallards, seven—I think maybe seven of them mallards, like a teal um, a beautiful pintail. So between the four of us, we shot 11, but it was just one of those grind it days. And, you know, as long as there's birds being shot, I do enjoy those days. Cause like I said, we haven't had that many mallards around this year. So just to have a day where it's just playing the chess match, chess match with mallards, it's just a fun day. And I knew that we were going to hunt the next day. So we just had an Airbnb and uh, hanging out with good people that I enjoy being around, and even though when they shot eleven, it was really fun. It was really really fun. Um, but it was just one of those days where these birds were stale. They've been around. They know the game, and they are very intelligent. And it's just what it is. That that's how those days go. Um, so we finished with eleven. I shot two myself. I shot a, um, a mallard and a mallard drake and a gadwall. And I've been working on that video and man, I'll tell you what, filming out of that InvisiMan is really, really difficult because those doors will close clear over top of you. There is no place to get your arms out. So if I've got that big camera, I've got a Sony NX-80 and it's just almost impossible to use it. You're just tucked so far in that InvisiMan, and then, so then you're just relying on a GoPro head mount which I'm not a huge fan of. I love the GoPro head. Let me say this. I love the GoPro head mount for what it is, but I don't videos that are 95% GoPro head mount. I just don't care for because I can't see what I want to (coughs) see. I mean, those GoPros are have such a huge pan on them. The, the, the amount of scenery you see, It is cool because you get a feel for the whole place, but you just can't see the ducks. And honest to God, there's times where I'm editing and I'm looking at GoPro head mount footage and I think that there's birds in the frame and it's like a speck of dust on my screen. I just want to be in my videos. I want to be able to see birds up close. And I haven't been able to do that very much this year. Um, But the videos that I really like are when I get to use that Sony NX80. And so I'm looking through this footage and man, I don't know. I just don't, I don't know if it's a good enough video that I can even put it out until maybe like sometime in the summer. I'm just not happy with it. It will go on Patreon quick videos like that go on Patreon quick. But um, the fun thing about it was I really got to work on Georgie's hand signals on this hunt, which is always fun. And she really, really needed it. Um, there's a difference with a, with a dog and doing blind retrieves, like on a hunt test or a training versus a hunt. It's just different. Um, it's just a different deal. And so she got really good work with that on that hunt. And so it was a really, really enjoyable day. So after the hunt was over, we got out of there and Jake and I were in the truck and Jake says, let's go to the other side of the lake. I saw this cove, and there was about a couple hundred, 200 gadwalls in this cove yesterday. Maybe we just get in there and do a fun quick gadwall shoot. And we didn't check this cove, and it was loaded with birds. Oh, and by the way, speaking of the word load, off topic here for a second. I posted a video the other day. Um, I found the mother load, and I spelled it L-O-A-D. And I had a comment like, that's not correct. It should be mother load, L-O-D-E. I'm like, what? I have never heard of that. Have you heard of that? Mother load. It's L O D E. And I looked it up and absolutely, it turns out that's correct. Load is the original source of. So like when they were trying to find um, precious metals, gold and whatnot, and they'd find a vein of it. And when they found like the mother load of the gold, the original source, it's L O D E figured I had no idea, <laughs> no idea. After that, I had about <laughs> four or five of the people say the same thing. I'm like, I'll, I'll be dang. I had no idea L O D E. So I, I know from now, anyway, in this cove on this lake, there was just loads of birds and most of them were mallards. Most of them were mallards. And so we had a plan of what we were going to to do and we immediately just changed it. This is where we went hunt. And this day it was just Jake and I. And so we went back and we ate in this little tiny town, this little tiny rural town. And we ate at this little burger joint, and I mean, it was like it could seat about twenty people. And man, the food was delicious. I love rural small towns in in Kansas in the Midwest. I just love them. And we ate there, and then we went back, hung out uh, at the Airbnb. Downloaded footage, that kind of thing. So we decided we were going to go in there fairly late, um, probably later than we should have, considering that we had this this really great spot lined up. So we got there in the morning at I don't even remember what time it was. It was like five thirty. I'm not sure. I think five thirty. Shooting times, like I so said, it's like an hour and a half till. And sure enough, there was. Um, a vehicle with a trailer at the parking lot like oh no 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 dang it so we put the boat on and um and nothing that happened that really surprised me i i'm sure some of you listening is like well this is why that happened but i was just kind of shocked by this so we were putting the boat in and the connections to the motor which is a 35 horse go devil to the battery are a little bit loose. And sometimes when I try to start, the motor doesn't start. I've got to kind of wiggle that connection. I need to go in there and like scrape it down and clean it off and tighten it back up. Um, and so Jake dropped the boat off and he was, he was going back up to put the truck away. And in the meantime, I got out this uh, multi-tool to try to screw that nut onto the battery to tighten it up. And So I went, I had my glove on and I went to screw that on. It was just sparking like crazy, which I, I guess I just don't understand how, how it works. I didn't know if you have like a connection on the positive connection on the negative and you touch like a metal, um, tool to that connection, it'll just spark like crazy. I, I didn't know that would do that. Um, I know like if you touch the two connections together, like, on jumper cables and stuff that sparks, but I, I didn't realize that it would do that, and it was just sparking like crazy. And I was like, Man, what in the world? And, and so I, w- I just wasn't thinking. And with my other hand, I didn't have a glove on it, and I grabbed that tool with my other hand. and Oh my gosh, that thing bit me, it just singed my thumb. It man, just boom, it hurt. I just didn't know to do that. I, I guess it just when it was sparking like that, it just supercharged that metal tool as it was. On fire, um, but anyway. Um, so we put the boat on, and we're going back in this little cove, and we saw the a light on this point. Like, yes, okay, that's that's where that guy um, with the trailer is. He came in. He hunted on a point that's not going to bother us at all, one bit. Not going to bother us at all. So we rounded the corner, went into the cove, going back to the spot that we were going to set up. There's this is tree right on the shoreline, we we're going to sit right under this tree, and. Um, it was just going to be an easy, relaxed time. We really thought we were going to smoke them and there are lights right around there. We're going to set up and someone else had walked in like, oh man, right on the X, right where we wanted. Like, well, that's what you get for, that's what you get for coming in later, I guess. So we, we went over to him Jake's like, let's go over there. Let's just talk to him real quick. And so, cause it's hard as you guys know, it's hard in the dark to tell where people are, where they're set up. So we went over, boated into them, and just talked to them. Saw where they were, and then we headed on out of there. And we ended up setting up on a different point, ended up being about 500 yards from those guys, and um, found a nice other little point there. And we're like, you know, I think there it was a point with a little, really small cove beside it as it went out to the main lake. It's like, you know, let's just go ahead and try this. This this looks about like as good as as good as it could get. And it was a beautiful sunrise. I have not looked at the, the footage of this one yet. I'm hoping I can get a better video out, out of this one. I don't know. And so pretty soon after shooting time, here come the ducks trying to come back into this cove, but they just all wanted to land right in the middle of the cove, right in the open water. In fact, the guys, it turned out that we had a better spot than the guys who took the spot we wanted. There was a little bit of ice back in there. And these mallards, man, they are smart. They would just come back, plop down in the middle of the cove and not listen to the call. Just do whatever the heck they wanted to do. But as the sun was coming up, and I kind of wanted to do a decoy change. And Jake was like, let's just wait and see when the sun comes up over the horizon and the sun hits our decoys and the sun hits our spinners if that helps and um, we didn't have a lot of wind and sure enough man right when that sun came up and hit those spinners we had we had two ducks come in right out right away and unfortunately we weren't quite ready for them and could have killed them but didn't and missed two in a row But throughout the course of the day on this day, we hunted until I believe about 1130. And, you know, we would sit there. We were kind of leaning up against trees and Jake and I were spread out a little bit. And every now and then a Drake would, would float in and sit right out off the decoys on, on the cove side of where we were. And we were able to pop it. And, but it was very, very similar to the day before. It was very similar to that where these are just smart, educated birds that know what a decoy spread looks like. They know how not to get killed, just land in the middle and then swim in type of deal. But every now and then we were able to get one to make a mistake. And over the course of that time um, I killed four, Jake killed two. So we killed six in that time. So we killed half of our limit. Um, We killed a one man. (laughs) um so it was another day of seeing a lot of mallards and just dealing with how wonderful of a of a species this is and how adaptive they are when they get in an area and they've been there a while they know how not to get killed they get very good at not getting killed and over the course of these two days I end up averaging three ducks a hunt a shot Um, two ducks on the first day four on the second let's see one two three four mallard drakes a gadwall and a mallard hen um yes i shot a mallard hen I, i thought it was a drake. the sun was kind of in my eyes um but we saw thousands of mallards over these two days and every second it was like it was like a game to play and i just had a wonderful wonderful time i really really did it was fun hanging out with jake he and i have we're really really good friends But we haven't really hunted mallards very much together. He's traveling and he finds them. And uh, we're we're just not able to link up as much as I would like to. So it was just a fantastic weekend of of hanging out, playing with smart mallards and shooting them from time to time. So really enjoyed it. And again, very disappointed that I cannot go back into that general area and and get on it this week after this cold front because those birds are not going to be acting the same way in these temps. That is for sure. So that is the hunt date, hunt update. So let's go ahead and take a real quick break. And then we'll be right back for comment of the week. This
2: episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech.
1: All right. Thank you for coming back through those uh, sponsorship breaks. Let's jump into comment of the week.
2: It's time for-
1: All right, this comment comes from Walter Ammerman off Instagram. And he says, when you record videos, do you record the whole hunt and edit out unnecessary bits or have completely separate videos that you can combine together? Good question, Walter. And guys, if you want your comments to be considered for comment of the week, Instagram, Facebook group, North American Waterfowler, or email me at FreelanceDuckHunting.com. And I really love hearing from people and um, I love doing comment of the week. So let's get right down to how I go about videoing my hunt. So I have three cameras that I, well, I have four cameras that I actively use. I've got a GoPro nine, a GoPro 10, a Sony NX 80, and I have my shot cam. And, um, only one of those cameras runs the whole time. And that is the GoPro nine that is set up in the decoys. And I consider that, I feel like in order to put out a video, you have to have some form of kill shots. People really want to see that. So I have my GoPro 9 and you can get this little mount. It's a little GoPro telescoping mount, not telescoping, but it's a flexible mount with a big kind of um, claw on it that you can open up and grab it onto a pole. I carry a bamboo pole with me and the mount attaches to that bamboo pole. And then on top of that, I have a Telesin, T-E-L-E-S-I-N, extended life battery. And then the GoPro sits on top of that and I use a 256 gigabyte memory card, and that will run for like five, six hours straight. It'll run for a long, long time. And I set that one up. Now, if you're if your shot selection, in order to get that camera to work, you have to have a tight shot selection. You have to have a conservative tight shot selection. So I put that out overlooking the decoys, and I'm just gonna hope that I can use some of that footage If my other cameras don't pick up the kill, or if they land close to the camera, I'm gonna get some good stuff on there, and that's gonna add to the hunt. And that runs the entire time. That is the only camera that runs the entire time, is that GoPro 9. The other camera I have is the GoPro 10, and I put that on a head mount. Now, I fought against using head mounts for a long time. I just, I never, just never wanted to be that guy. But the GoPro head mount is a fantastic camera, and it keeps you hunting. If if you're not going to use that head mount, or if you're not going to mount one behind you, I know Jordan does that a lot. He mounts cameras behind him, which is a nice angle. Then um, if you're not going to use those cameras, you're, you're not going to be able to hunt. You're going to have to use a different have a cameraman or you're going to have to pick up the big camera. And so now that camera, I've got 128, I believe, gigabyte memory card in that. And I've got a couple batteries for it. I do not have any extended life batteries on that. And that, you turn on and you turn off. and You turn on and you turn off. And it is a little bit of a pain in the butt. And when you turn it on, it's a three beep. And when you turn it off, it's a four or five beep. And just constantly throughout the hunt, if you think some action going to happen, you turn it on. Action's over, you turn it off. And there's lots of times you forget to turn it off and your battery runs out. It's got about an hour per battery on that. Um, and that's, you know, two of those, I've got an extra battery. So a lot of times I'll use two batteries on the hunt. Sometimes only one, it just depends on how much you're turning it off, turn it on, turn it on, turn it off. And that is a pain in the butt and people around you, it's probably annoying to them too, because they're in that beeping all the time. Um, but the, the good thing about that camera is it's going to point the way that you're looking all the time and it's going to, it is a nice angle and it gives the viewer the ability to really feel what the surrounding area feels like. And then my NX80, my, my Sony, uh, that's the camera I really like using. It's great low light. So if I'm with anyone else, I am always have that camera up and going to begin the day um, because it's so much better on light than the GoPros. GoPros suck at low light. You've got to get probably 20 minutes in to get anything decent at all on the GoPro. And so that Sony is a really good camera. It's got to zoom in. Anytime you see birds up close, it's that Sony NX80. And, um, some hunts, I don't get to use it at all. Some hunts, I use it a lot. Like the hunts I went on Nate from falling tide. I use those cameras locks. We were taking turns. That is my ideal hunt. Two or three people and, and we can take turns and I can use the big camera. That's really fun. It's really fun using the big camera. And so that's where you get your B roll from. And then the shot cam goes, uh, is just another resource to getting a better, a better kill shot. And, uh, all you have to do to activate that shot cam is you just tap, tap the gun, tap, 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 or just a tap. And that, that turns it from a flashing blue light to a blue light and it's recording, but it only saves the recording if you pull the trigger. So if you don't pull the trigger, um, I guess it's probably set to a much harsher level of vibration to record that shot into like a 20 second record. And so those are the four cameras. And then I get them home. I unload all that data and I put them into separate folders and start which, with whatever camera that day is my main storytelling camera. Sometimes I take off the head mount. I look into it. Sometimes I take the NX80 and turn it on myself and talk talk to it. But whichever is the storyline camera that has the most of the footage on it, that goes on first. And then I just clip off, clip out, edit little pieces from the other cameras as we go along. And, you know, some some videos, three, four hours, you can knock it out. Some videos are seven, eight, nine hours. It just depends. The more footage you have, the more the editing process is going to take. And um, I will say, if you're going to start recording, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of guys that have recorded 10 to 15 hunts. There are very, very few guys who have recorded 500 hunts, it's something that if, if, if if you really want to get into it, it's, it's a long, long game, but I would say this, um, having, whether you're making them like when I started videoing, it was not for anyone else. It was only for me. I had been talking about doing it for two years for the express purpose of, I want to be able to relive the hunts. And that's why I started it. I, I I wasn't making it for anyone else. I was making it for me. And having footage of to go and look at after the hunt absolutely enriches the experience. Whether you're putting um, a camera on a mount or using the head camera or whatever, it makes the hunt so much more enjoyable to be able to go and look at it. I, I would... Suggest anyone try that because when you get home and you can look through it, it is a lot of fun. But if you're going to do like a YouTube type situation, it is you've got to be going for the long game, man, because you have to grind out video after video after video after video after video to get any kind of I have seen really good quality channels not get any views and just give up. It's It's the long game. It's really, really hard to get rolling. Um, so, anyway, thank you for that question, Walter. I appreciate it. Hopefully, I'll get some more entries to um, possible comment of the week. So, let's go ahead now and jump into Woody's Top 5. All
2: right, boys. Let's get this wrapped up so we can get back to hunting. it's Woody.
1: All right, welcome, Woody. Thank you for joining me again. What do you have for us today?
2: Hey, brother. Listen, I, uh, I'm excited to be here. I, but I, I think today I, I would like to take a little bit of time to share with. Today's I've been on these duck hunting websites. I've been looking at and all these forums and discussions, and all, and all, and I see a lot of a lot of young guys, and they. I feel like a lot of them get they buy into the the idea that they got to have one of everything there is. And uh, so i come up with a list here of some things that I... Just just advice from somebody who's been duck hunting a lot longer than a lot of them boys have been been alive. <laughs> it's just, just some advice I want to give them for things that they don't need to take to the duck line. At least things that I ain't going to take to the duck line anymore because I've been... Well, I've had bad experiences with all of them. So here we go. Number five is, for the top five things I no longer take to the duck blind, is a watch. A watch. Now, you you think, well, well, Woody, why in the world would you not want a watch? Well, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with a watch. Uh, One, I just remember years and years ago, me and old Liam, we was hunting on a lake, and about Three or four hundred yards across that lake on the other side, they some some old boys that had them a, a blind over there, and they was a lot of geese working, and every time a bunch of geese had come over, the one old boy would would stand up and start calling, and he must have had him a fancy dude watch on of some sort, because every time he'd work that goose call, I could see that watch face, see the sun shining on it, and it's just flashing. Like a homing beacon over there, and those geese would turn. Now, it did us some good because when they'd see them boys, they'd turn and come our direction, and we'd get some shooting. But uh, the other thing is, you got a watch on. It's just constantly reminding you of what you got to hurry up and get back home to. And so, I don't take my watch with me, and I have my cell phone in my pocket. It's of course got a clock on there, but but I don't, uh, I don't, I don't wear my watch to the the duck blind anymore. I don't know if it's ever really cost me anything but I definitely don't want to drop it in the water. Number four Number four is when I, I used to always take my gun case with me to the duck blind and it's just, this is just practicality. It's gotten to the point anymore where, you know, we used to just have an old sock that we'd put our our uh, gun in. Nowadays we got these big old hard plastic cases all full of styrofoam and and carbon fiber and everything else. And so by the, the time you get three fellas in a duck blind and all them gun cases and backpacks and everything, ain't even hardly room to get in there and hunt. So I leave my gun case in the truck and I just throw it over my shoulder. Now, number three and number two, they all, they kind of go together here. Uh, I had a little negative experience years back and it, it kind of influenced me on this, but, uh, me and old Lim, we used to always have a, we had us a propane heater that we'd set in the blind, and we had a big old 20-pound uh, propane tank, big white propane tank that we'd take with us. And one year, well, there's a couple of different reasons. Number one, Lim burnt our duck blind down. <laughs> one time we had, we'd spent all summer building us a duck blind. Lim got all worked up and knocked the heater over when I was out in the decoys <laughs> and he burned the whole thing up. But but the, the the other situation that occurred was we had this little old plastic boat that was just about eight foot long. It looked like something you'd put in a swimming pool for the kids to play in. But it was just enough for one guy to get in and, and paddle out across the water. We had a little hole that we liked to hunt on, and it was, a, it was another strip mine lake. And there's a little island out there in the middle. And we had us a little duck blind built out on that island. Well, so I'd take that little boat out there all the time, and then you could kind of pull it up on the bank and cover it up with weeds and, and hunt. Well, one year it was, oh, it was god awful cold. And so I got that little propane heater and that 20 pound propane tank, and I put them in the boat with me. I headed out across that lake, you know, probably five o'clock in the morning, paddled all the way out there, got to the blind, got or got to the island. I got out of the boat, went to set my stuff in the blind. And when I turned around, there wasn't no boat there anymore.
0: <laughs> <So> <laughs>
2: that tank. And that heater was in the back of that little plastic boat. But when I stepped out of the front of the boat, I thought I had it up on the ground. But the front end of that boat lifted up. And it started drifting back as the wind was blowing about 20 miles per hour. And I just had a little old tiny flashlight. And I started shining it out there. And by the time I figured out where it was, it was about 30 yards out across the water so that boat drifted all the way back across fortunately it just drifted right back over to where i was parked so it just washed right up against the bank where the truck was sitting and this is back when cell phones had just first come out they had the old nokia cell phone in my pocket i didn't like to take it anywhere because it cost about ten dollars to call somebody but i decided i was going after a couple hours of sitting there of course i never saw the first duck i was about to freeze to death I thought, well, I'm gonna have to call somebody to help me out. So I got on the phone and I called Miss Larnetta. Of course, she wasn't home, and I called several other folks, and finally, I got down to Lim Parsons, and uh, I didn't really want to call him because I didn't want to <laughs> he tell was him bottom what. Bottom of that. the list, he was the bottom only because I didn't want him to make fun of me, Elliot. He, he, <laughs> old Lim, for as many things as he screws up, if I ever mess up one time, he never lets me forget about it. So anyway, I finally called old Lim. I said, Lim, I I need some help out here. I'm at the I'm out here I told him the name of the spot. I said, I need you to come give me some help. I didn't even want to tell him what was going. On. I said, but you're gonna to have to you're gonna to have to bring the bigger boat out. He said, Well, what's the matter? I said, I lim, just trust me, I need a bigger boat. He said, Boy, did you kill that many that you need a... I, I said, Lim, don't ask me any more questions, son. Just come on and bring the boat. So he come on out there with the big boat, backed it in the water and come across the lake there. <laughs> He came around the corner where I was parked, and he could see that little boat sitting right there against the bank where the the pickup truck was. He stopped for a minute, and I I was standing up. Then I hollered at him and whistled, and I said, come on over here. Well, you could tell old Len was confused then (laughs) because the boat was on one side of the lake, and I was out on the island. He come out there, and he said, why in the world did you leave the boat on the bank (laughs) and come out here by yourself? I said, Len Parsons, I know that you ain't that dumb. (laughs) <laughs> he said you know it's cold you should have brought that propane tank and that heater and kept them out here with you instead of putting them i said "Lem, son do you honestly think i swam out here
0: <laughs>
2: he said oh yeah i guess that that makes sense he said what happened i told him the whole story he still gives me a hard time every once in a while that poor little boat though that's the one uh you know i was talking to you about pintails a while back the day that I shot one of them pintails, that boat was laying there, froze on the bank, and I went to yank on it to try to hurry up and go get my duck, and I ripped the whole bottom end out of it and lost that little boat. That was the best mistake mm. I ever made. That thing was a death trap. All right, number one. <laughs> so number no, no, I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't clarify that. Number three and number two, that's the propane tank and the heater. That was <laughs> that's number three and number two of things I ain't taking no more. And number one is my truck keys. And I don't want to go into all the details here, but let's just suffice it to say that the keys got them little clicker in it, you know, that uh, a little key fob that opens up your, right. your pickup truck door. Yeah. Well, they don't give them things away for free. And if you happen to drop one in a strip cut, that's 90 foot deep, there ain't much chance of finding it. And if you do happen <laughs> no, to no. get a, if you do happen to go back during the summer with a rope and a magnet and reach down there and get it off the bottom, It it's tough to dry them out and get them to work again. And so I don't, <laughs> I, I, leave, I leave my keys in a, here's what I do. I don't want to give my secret away here too much, but I got, I got me an old planter's peanut can. And so I'll drop my keys in that planter's peanut can. And then I walk over there next to a tree where I park my truck and I just hide them in the leaves there. And so when I come back, my keys are laying right there, but nobody, somebody else has come snooping around, they couldn't find them. They couldn't get in my truck and bother hmm. anything, but that way the keys aren't with me in the water. So,
1: anyway. No, that's not that's bad. A, that's a good idea.
2: It's not all, not all a joke. There. Some of that's pretty practical stuff. But anyhow, that's things right. I don't take to the duck blind anymore. And you young fellas out there listening, you, you listen to that, you might save yourself three $400 on a set of car keys.
1: I don't think those young fellas are wearing watches, period. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, they got them Apple watches so they can count their steps and their calories. That's true. Blood pressure and stuff.
1: That's true. That's true. (laughs) Anyway, there's your top five
2: items. I I ain't going to take to the duck blind no more.
1: All right. I'm going to have to remember those and make sure I keep track of these lists. I need to write down all these tidbits. (laughs) I can keep them sorted in my mind. Well, thank you so much, buddy. And I will see you in a couple weeks. This has been another right. episode of Woody's Top 5. All right. Well, there you have it. Thank you for joining me again. Guys, please share this podcast with your friends, other duck hunters. Tell them about it. Help me spread the word. If you're looking for products, support the partners. Come over. If you want to support me further, patreon.com slash freelance duck Keep this thing going. So until next time. You have listened to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast.